Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Boland. Alhamdulillah, it is Monday, the 22nd of May 2017, and that corresponds with the 26th of Sha'ban, 1438. A huge shukran to our producer, and that is Qanita Kamar. Now, just to remind our listeners that for this particular program, the lines are open for the duration of the discussion. So, you, the listener, are welcome to join in the discussion by giving us a call on 021-442-3530. Alternatively, you can share your views or comment or question via the SMS line, that is 47913, the SMS line 47913, or via WhatsApp on 072-238-0712. That number again, 072-238-0712. Now, before I get into the burning issue topic of this evening, just to make uh, an apology to uh, our listeners, and that is that uh, I'm thinking I'm coming down with a touch of the flu. Uh, so do give me math at this stage. Now, on the burning issue last week, alhamdulillah, we spoke on the issue around gender-based violence. And this evening on the burning issue, we continue with that particular segment on gender-based violence. But what happened was that from our listener participation, certain questions or pertinent questions were asked. For example, what about harsher sentencing for these uh, you know, offenders? What about the reinstatement of the death penalty? And this came through very strongly on our program last week. So this evening, alhamdulillah, on the burning issue, we ask that particular question. Would harsher prison sentences or the reinstatement of the death penalty help to address gender-based violence and killings in South Africa? Now, I believe that we are joined online by Valdi van Rienen Leroux, who is with the Trauma Center. Valdi, assalamu alaikum. Good evening. Hi, good evening, Valdi. Thanks for joining us here on the airwaves of The Voice of the Cape. Now, Valdi... We've heard, I'm sure, my introduction. Um, where do we start this uh, discussion? You see, Ridwan, for me, safety and security is just one part of the bigger solution that we need. So we can go to our criminal justice system. We can bring back the death penalty. But there's no guarantee that this kind of behavior is going to stop. So we actually need to look at what is causing this. What, when we look at the Western Cape, rural and urban, why are children going missing? Why are children being trafficked? Why are children uh, being caught innocent in gang-related um, violence? Why is that happening? What is it that we as civil society as parents, as communities, as government agents, as business, what is it that we're missing? And that is, it's for that particular reason that the Trauma Center is leading the call amongst 14 other NGOs, and we are calling for a commission of inquiry. We are saying that unless we get together and interrogate what is actually happening in our communities? We are not going to know where we need to put our energies 
in terms of advocacy, for example. So what is it saying to us, the fact that so many of our children have been killed by acquaintances, people that they know? What is it saying about parenting? What is it saying about the relationship we should be taking with our children towards um, acquaintances? What is it saying to us? And, um, and so the other thing is, what do we do the minute we start picking up on neglect and abuse within the home? How do we get government agencies involved to actually escalate that case before it becomes a tragedy, as we've seen in some of the cases? And we're saying that one of the ways in which to do that is to look at the Commission of Inquiry. A commission of inquiry that will bring people from all the communities, whether you're in Kayalitsha, whether you are in Langa, whether you are in Manenberg. Let us bring the people together. Let us give them a voice. Let us tell us what is happening in the communities that we should be taking heed of. And hence our call for the Premier in the Western Cape to establish that Commission of Inquiry. We just don't know enough. We know that there's 19 children who have been killed thus far, and then those are only the cases that's been in the media. There are far more cases that have not even been reported via the media. So what is it that we need to put in place to end the scourge? Mm-hmm. Well, that is Valdi van Rienen Leroux, who is with the Trauma Center. And yes, they are heading up a call for a commission of inquiry. And as we said, we are continuing our debate or discussion here on the burning issue around the gender-based violence, which we had last week, Monday. And then from our listeners, uh, calls came through with regards to harsher prison sentences. And even very more strongly was the issue around the reinstatement of the death penalty. Now, this evening, we asked the question, how would these assist? Now you, the listener, can participate in the program by giving us a call, as we said, on 021-442-3530. Alternatively, you can participate in the program by sending us your question or comment via the SMS line. That's 47913. Alternatively, then, via WhatsApp on 072 2380712. Now, I believe we are also now joined online by Claudia Berger, who is the director of Annex, which is the activist networking against the exploitation of children. Claudia, very good evening to you. Hi, good evening. Hi, Hi. Thanks for, for joining us, Claudia. Uh, Claudia, maybe just your input as, you know, as a starting point to this particular discussion. Now, um, I think that Valdi and I also have had discussions in the past, and I think that it's, what I think, I know that it's extremely troublesome at the moment if, if we look at the escalation of violence. I've just looked today again, in May 2016, the Optimus Foundation brought out, I think, the first national study that was done on the prevalence of violence against children in South Africa. And they have determined that about 784,000 young people would have been victims of sexual abuse by the age of 17. Mm -hmm. 82% of the children that were interviewed at school 
have experienced some form of victimization, whether criminal or exposure to family or community violence. Plus, they have discovered that um, a lot of this can be prevented, and this ties in the Baldwin's request or their organization's request for an investigation or launch for um, uh, what is the word, inquiry, is that um, a lot of this can be, this is now the recommendation of the study, a lot of this can be prevented if parents and caregivers um, have got more knowledge of the people that they leave their children in care with, plus also who's in their houses, because it seems that most, if not all, of the abuse against children happen by people that they know, either in their house or directly in the street and in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Now, I echo what she just said. How come, how come we don't know who we leave our children with? What is happening? I mean, I and I and I I know the trauma center echoes the same is that we all know that we've got a very outraged nation, traumatized nation. But somehow there's a, a link in the chain that's not been followed up. It's either that we, that we just leave our children with anyone, or we don't know what is the signs that we need to look for if we leave our children with, with, with people. Or in the neighborhood, people have become so vindictive that you know, we don't pick up the signs. And then obviously in the report it also came out that in terms of the number of children who were questioned and the number of cases reported, as Valdi said, there was a huge discrepancy. So what is that about? And according to the Optimus Foundation study, there was a clear indication of an eye you know, I don't want tonight to blame other service providers, but there was a question around what happens when, for instance, cases are being reported to the police. So I echo with her as to somewhere there's something we don't know and somewhere there's, there's a link that goes missing. Mm-hmm. This is my attention. Well, so, uh, sorry, quickly. Yeah, continue. Definitely most... Um, the, the people who, who do these killings and abuse of children is known by the family. Well, it's that, that's how it seemed in the, in the cases also in the Western Cape recently. Mm. But, but Claudia, both you and Valdi, you know, that brings to mind, for example, you know, as kids, uh, you know, when I grew up, for example, we were always taught by our parents, you know, never to talk to strangers. Because that was always, you know, the concept or the thinking behind it, that strange, that strangers were normally, you know, the ones who, who did these things. And if I hear what both you and Valdi have said, uh, you're basically saying, that the majority of these instances are perpetrated by someone in the family or someone who's close to the family. Uh, Valdi? Yes, look, when we're looking at um, missing children and rape um, and murder, it is someone close um, to them. But this is not the only category of children Mm -hmm. who are not safe. Mm -hmm. We are talking also about children who are caught in the gang-related violence. Mm. We are mm. also talking about children who are human trafficked. Mm. So, so for us, there's deeper 
safety, the issues in terms of our children's safety. But you know, at the end of the day, what is happening now is that our culture is being brought into question. Because I grew up in a home where we had uncles and aunts that weren't blood relatives, Mm. but that were helping in the home to sort out all the finances and everything else that goes with growing up many decades ago. So it's a cultural issue that we rely on acquaintances. And so now that is being taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Just my attention very quickly to the WhatsApp line. There's a message here that says we need the death penalty. We need to educate, educate educate and unite against all the factors that contribute towards these atrocities i mean uh, that is the one message that came through um and another one says assalamu alaikum i'm just trying to open this one okay we'll get uh, i'm going to acknowledge an sms which we received from 1876 i'll ask faldi to assist in that regard but let's get back just to remind our listeners that we are continuing our discussion around the gender-based violence and this evening last week we started the topic and calls were came or calls rather came from our listeners to say harsher prison sentences uh, more strongly came across the reinstatement of the death penalty. Now this evening on the burning issue, we ask the particular question, would harsher prison sentences or the reinstatement of the death penalty assist in addressing gender-based violence? Now we are joined online by Valdi van Rinnen Leroux, who is with the Trauma Center. And then we also have online Claudia Berger, who is the director of Annex, that is the activist networking against the exploitation of children. Now let me start with Claudia very quickly. Last week we also spoke around the issue of, you know, my child is your child. And one of our guests in studio said, you know, we all just it's a lip service to say your child my child is your child. No one really gives effect to that. Your quick comment on that. You know, um I want to pick up by uh, earlier a uh, comment that Valdi has made, um, and I think that's something where we need more research done, and maybe that's something that the inquiry can also help with. She spoke about in terms of aunts and uncles and people that live in our houses. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a given that also when I was younger, you know, you, you lived as an extended family in a house. And, and, and as she say, you know, it was a given that uncles and and, and people that you didn't even necessarily regard it as blood family were there, but they all at the same end in line for the child or the children in the house and in the community and in the school. And I think that it's time that we get back to that. How are we going to do that is a different story. Because the biggest thing for me that I see at the moment is indifference. Indifference in the sense that um, do I really care about the next person's child that, 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 that's next to me? And I think that people have become so absorbed in their own lives because it's a matter of survival. So, uh, you know, if I have to go and fight for my work and my wife has to go and fight for her work and we both come to fight us at home and, and here we come and we need to deal with our one or two children's um, stuff that's happening, that the, that the level of frustration in the household that leads to the 
there's not this real care and empathy. It's been proven in research in other countries that we are raising a generation where empathy is completely lacking. Now, without empathy, you can forget about my child is your child or the other way around. My question is, because with, with Valdi and their center, I'm also concerned about trauma. How do we get empathy back? How do we get this indifference back? Because I see with the search, in, for instance, with the Roman, that there was a lot of care, there was a lot of outrage. But how do we get real empathy back? They have done studies among the, the generation that we're raising, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. There's no empathy. And that you need for care. If we want to change this current cycle of violence, besides, you know, stakeholders in general that's maybe not in, as involved in a preventative way that they should be and that we can find out where the real root is, as she said. We need to raise a different kind of, I won't say person, but where characteristics is present that you really care. And empathy is lacking mutually. Mm-hmm. Claudia, Valdi, do stay on the line We're going to go for a quick ad break And when we come back we'll continue with the program Called The Burning Issue here on The Voice of the Cape The Burning Issue With Ridwan Ahmed Welcome back and if you have just joined us here on the burning issue 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Boland, we are asking the question on the burning issue would harsher prison sentences or the reinstatement of the death penalty assist in addressing gender-based violence and child killings in South Africa now we are joined online by Valdi van Rienen Leroux who is with the Trauma Center then we are also joined online by Claudia Berger who is the director of Annex, which is the activist networking against the exploitation of children. Now, uh, the trauma center is calling for a commission of inquiry. And as Valdi said, you know, we need to look at what is the cause of these. Again, we invite you, the listener, to participate in the program by sending us your question or comment via the SMS line. That's 47913. Alternatively, via WhatsApp on 072 238712. Now I've got another SMS here that says Assalamu alaikum Ridwan. Yes, definitely the death penalty will make a huge difference, not to gender based violence, but or crime as well. And yeah, and crime as well. Another SMS says um, Assalamu alaikum. I would love to agree with the concept my child is your child. But it seems everything even your family does for you revolves around money. Secondly, I would like to know, is the Constitution a document cast in stone? Well, once again, a very big shukran to all our listeners for their participation to the program. Now, I've got another guest in the studio with me, but before I get to that particular guest and uh, greet her, let's hear from Valdi. Um, this issue around the call for a commission of inquiry. My information is that, you know, in as early as 2009 already, uh, Premier Helen Zillow was set to appoint a provincial children's commission, but nothing came of this. So where to with this call for a commission of inquiry? Yes. You know, um, there's a difference between the, the child commissioner 
and the Commission of Inquiry. In 2005, the Western Cape government put together a bill, and that bill was that we would have a child commissioner. And besides a child commissioner, we would also have an environmental commissioner. Now, the, the task of the child commissioner would have been to investigate situations like this. So you wouldn't have to go through a commission of inquiry. You would go directly via the child commissioner and lodge your complaint there. The challenge is that the Western Cape government did not implement that ball. Yeah. And um, as recently as the 23rd of March 2017, in Parliament, in the Western Cape Parliament, there was a discussion around the fact that there's no policy, there's no regulations guiding the child commissioner. So we're not going to see a child commissioner um, pretty soon in the future. And so where else do we go to? Um, the Human Rights Commission does not have the big budget that is required for a commission of inquiry. We feel that it's got to be in the hands of a competent judge who's able to, to support us. Even the call for the death penalty should go via the commission of inquiry as possible solutions. But we know that a death penalty, the, prohibit, the, the prohibition of, um, of the death penalty is a constitutional matter. So it's not even a Zuma matter, and it's certainly not a Zilla matter. If we want to change the Constitution, we will have to go to the Constitutional Court in order to make the changes. Now, because we have also signed conventions, um, United Nations conventions, um, African Union conventions, that means that we don't, we don't have the freedom of simply wanting to go back to court, to constitutional court, and say, bring the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Because there are regional, global, and local conventions that speak to the death penalty is is not acceptable. Okay. So we are a pro-life country in terms of the death penalty. Okay. Let me let's hear from Claudia. Claudia, you want to add anything to what Valdi has just said now? Not around the death penalty. I concur with what you said there. Um, but I just want to echo also what you said around uh, the Children's Commission or the... Yeah, I think that uh, is where my focus lies. You know, this call for a commission of inquiry, as I said in 2009, my information is that the Premier Helen Zilla was set to appoint a provincial children's commissioner, but nothing came of it. Now, yeah. you know, Valdi has given us the difference between the two, but maybe just your comment on that. Annex was part of also the first organizations that made submissions to Parliament. And in fact, in 2013, we went back with Molo Songololo to Parliament to argue exactly the point that you said now, that nothing was being done. And then 
you know, it was backwards and forwards, and the current Minister of Social Development was also at the meeting, and it was about the fact that, you know, why, why is nothing moving forward? And I still remember that Patrick of Molesangoloro did a beautiful submission there around how well this worked in other countries. Um, and, and, and the argument was that, you know, who is there to really independently look at issues around children, specifically this that Valdi brought up now, um, that's not going to be hindered necessarily, if I can use that word, by, by government, and that you now would have been able to bring all the current issues to that independent person and say, please investigate what's going on here. If we had a commission of children, there probably would have been an inquiry already or these issues would have been, yeah, would have been addressed already. One doesn't know, but I agree. It's, it's a pity for me that, that, that there's either been a drag or delay or sort of a avoidance of this whole issue. I mean, I understand that we've got beautiful legislation in the Children's Act and so, but you know, that doesn't work if, if there's no well implementation of what's necessary, and as you said earlier, to keep children in general safe, not mm-hmm. only in households, but in general, like in trafficking, for instance, we're not able to tell you or give you a profile of traffickers because we haven't been able to do that. Mm-hmm. It can be anyone. Claudia, Valdi, do stay on the line. We're going to go for a quick ad break, and when we come back, we'll continue with the program called The Burning Issue here on The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Welcome back and if you have just joined us and you are driving uh, on the roads do take care keep a safe following distance if you are at home relaxing well alhamdulillah enjoy the program and for allowing me in your company now this evening we continue as I said earlier our discussion around gender-based violence and from listener participation from last week's program we now raise the question would harsher prison sentences or the reinstatement of the death penalty assist in addressing the issue around gender-based violence and child killings in South Africa. Now, we would like you, the listener, to participate in the program, and you can do so by sending us your question or comment via the SMS line. That's 47913. Alternatively, via WhatsApp on 072-238-0712. Or you can even give us a call in studio on 021 3530. Now, my attention to the SMS line. Uh, there's an SMS here from 7466. It says, um, let me see where does it start. Okay. Uh, minds in behavior. Children must be under 24 hour. Okay. Children must be under 24 hour supervision. Uh, a rapist will always commit the same crime again and again. Bottom line, trust no one. The problem is, how do you control people's criminal criminal minds and or behavior? And I think that is also uh, a, a good question there. So shukran once again to our listeners for their participation. But let me introduce my guest uh, in the studio, and that is Nuran Osman, the Managing Director at the Ihata Shelter. Nuran, assalamu alaikum. And shukran for joining us here in the studio and we still do have Valdi van Rinnen Leroux as well as Claudia Berger on the line. Now 
Nuran, I know you just came in, you've joined, you've heard some of our discussions. Um, I think one of the questions which came up is the issue around a call for a commission of inquiry. And then I think Valdi asked the question, what is the cause of all of this? Almost kind of latching on to what uh, one of our listeners was saying, you know, uh, they don't change by their nature. Your comment. I think we have to, and I agree fully with Valdi, we have to start looking at why things are happening the way they are. Um, And Claudia mentioned, you know, some of the most liberal and advanced laws in the world and yes we have all of those but nothing changes if nothing changes and nothing seems to be changing on the ground but i think that and i said it on the program prior to this where i said that hurt people hurt people um and we have to look at where things are hurting one of the things that i think is is highly challenging particularly in impoverished communities is that we live in a highly patriarchal society Mm -hmm. and the challenge with that is that many many of us, even as women, um, perpetuate patriarchy. And we are unaccepting of the growth and the development of, of women and women's leadership. Um, but also we value girl children less and we perpetuate that in our households. Um, and we, we don't have the right conversations with, with our girl and boy children. Um, I mean, I, I was just reading some, some articles this week around the discussion of safer sex for children. Um, and I don't know that children should be having sex, but that's an entirely different issue. But we're talking about safe sex and HIV and condomize and all of this. But we're not talking to children about issues of, well, you actually have a right to say no. There's, there's nothing that speaks about. And, and I'm talking about in the school syllabus and stuff. It's, it's not talking about saying no and um, protecting yourself and your body and, and all of that. It's all around safe sex rather than actually, I, I don't want to do this. I'm not ready for this. Actually, you have no right to talk to me about my body. I, I get to make decisions. And I think essentially what I'm trying to say is that we should be talking to young people about protecting uh, the self, about our responsibility and their responsibility um, and we should cr- be creating avenues for children to speak. Um, I read a bit of a, uh, I think it, I want to call it a tabloid, where it said the child, the three-year-old had told her mother that she was being violated and are we creating safe spaces for children to really talk about it? Mm-hmm. So legislation is one thing and 98% of the time children don't act access legislation but they do access parents and teachers and aunties and uncles and friends who are willing to listen and should be willing to do something about it mm-hmm. well that's an interesting thought there and my attention to the uh, whatsapp line again there's a message here that says assalamu alaikum for a long time now the punishment no longer befits the crime the law prohibits the death penalty and one has to ask why perhaps the appropriate punishment may address the violence and yes we know about human rights, but it's also political. Think about it. Shukran, Brother M. Well, a, shuk- a big shukran there to our listeners for their participation to the program. Now, there's another SMS which I received. I'm going to just acknowledge that one. Uh, and then there's another SMS here. Uh, this is, Assalamu alaikum. There is no other way. If you kill, you must be killed. If you steal, your hand must be chopped off. Finish and klar. 
I will never steal again if I look at my hand that's chopped off. Shukran. Well, once again, a very big shukran to all our listeners for their participation to the program called The Burning Issue here on The Voice of the Cape. Now, let's go to Valdi very quickly. Now, Valdi, earlier you spoke around the issue of the role of the South African police services and the civil society. Do you maybe wish to elaborate on that? Yes. We are wanting to say that you cannot put all your eggs in the basket of policing. Mm. And you cannot put all your eggs in the basket of the criminal justice system. Mm. When you look at Stasha Arendse, Stasha's perpetrator was out on parole when he committed this atrocity. So we need deeper answers. We need to look at what is the preventative uh, mechanisms that we need to look at. And I take umbrage when we look at these murders purely in an interpersonal violence con- context. So it's an acquaintance doing this to my daughter, and, and that's the scenario. There are other forms of violence behind this that fuels it. And so it's deeper than just an interpersonal violence scenario. We need to understand what goes through the minds of men who know our children, who know our families, who are prepared to take that risk with our children. Mm-hmm. Can I just are, we, are we dealing with um, a series of, of pedophiles in the Western Cape that we are not being told about? Because these men never knew each other. They never knew each other. From Rene Roman to Stasha to Courtney, these men don't know each other. So what is it that we are dealing with? And you know, it's so typical trauma when we've gone through generations of trauma, for that trauma to um, become visible in ways that we don't find acceptable at all. And, and so we see the trauma of a colonial system. We see the trauma of apartheid. We see the trauma of a neoliberal com- uh, dispensation in terms of its economics affecting our families, Mm. affecting our um, relations in the community. But all we see is the acquaintance who's harmed our child. Mm. I want to argue that it's far deeper than that. Mm. And we haven't given sufficient resources to the trauma that we have gone through. Mm. We Mm. haven't paid attention to the to um, District 6, for example, the, the evictions that has happened there and how it has affected families. So they mm-hmm. ended up in communities like Mannenberg, like Mitchellstein, and I'm not saying that good is not coming out of those communities. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is we were a broken people. Mm-hmm. And so when people are broken, there's, there's certain ways in which they will react. 
Mm-hmm. They're either going to fight black, back, they're either going to freeze, or they're going to run away. Mm-hmm. Can I just get a thinking from Nuran quickly, you know, on what Valdi was saying? Um, I agree with, with Valdi in terms of fight, flight and freeze. Um, and whilst I don't want to come across as making excuses or sounding like I'm making excuses for perpetrators, because I certainly am not, um, but I do want to say that, again, hurt people hurt people. We are not addressing what is going on in communities. And as Valdi says, we were displaced um and, and colored and black people really suffered in this country. And then suddenly, you know, after 1991, everything seemed okay and everybody had to forget what had happened to them and, and move on with life. But nobody's talking about what really, really happened. Um, and as a result, what is formed in the minds of particularly um, men of color. Um, and then we've got the phenomena of, of gangsters and the need to belong and the need to defend and the need to perpetrate and the need to use drugs. Um, and just today we were having a conversation with colleagues at the office where we spoke about um, nobody actually wanting to be a substance user. So we criminalize drug addiction and, and we blame and we scathe. And yes, they do steal from us. And yes, they do a lot of damage. But why is the person a substance user? Are we addressing that? Are we providing alternatives for that? Are we are we looking in and investing into the Mannenbergs and the Hanover Parks and the Mitchells Plains um, to save young people from the scourges of gangs, drugs, and all of these other things? And most of all, are we elevating the status of particularly young women and girl children? Well, my attention very quickly to the SMS line and uh, one that came through says, Assalamu alaikum, Ridwan. I just tuned in. I would like to ask, we have such a lot of horrific crime in South Africa. Can one really modify this behavior? I think that's a key question. Can one really modify this behavior? And how? Our children are fast losing, losing their childhood. It is really worrying. Um... Then it says, South Africa has the highest crime rate in the world. This is also something that I've requested. We also need to interview some males and find out what they are thinking. Why? Yes, South Africa is an extremely traumatized and violated society. But it certainly cannot continue this way because we will wipe ourselves out. Well, once again, a very big shukran to our listeners for their participation to the program here. Now, let's hear from Claudia Berger. Claudia, do we still have you on the line? Yes, I am. Any any comment on uh, what our listeners are saying? Yeah, I first want to add to what um, Valdi and um, our other guests are saying that, you know, this... There's such a, a vortex of violence in the country, and if you just look in the Western Cape. And I want to ask also, I, I want to add to what Valdi is saying. Um, in my view, the whole issue of preventative programs are not, are not getting a tenth of the attention that it should get. I, you know, I believe that more than 90% of the budget in social development should go into preventative programs. And, and I mean, the Children's Act, just that one act makes it very clear. That's why the new act was brought in in 2005, so that more programs could have gone into research and preventative measures and family work and community work to strengthen communities, because that's one of the protective factors around 
specifically violence around children and women, is protective factors and making your families and communities stronger. And the reality is, and I'm saying this now from an NGO's perspective, we don't get funding anymore really for preventative programs. So what happens is, now it comes the time where all of this is like this explosion. And, and then what? Whereas if you have the money and the funding to go into communities and really go and, and, and search what, what is going on, that's the one thing. The second thing is I want to agree with the other uh, lady around males, you know, um, and, and Valdi also said it. And in terms of trafficking, you know, there was a book written by a guy called Philip Franco called Human Trafficking in Post Mandela South Africa. And he's, a, he's actually written a book from a sociological, ecological point of view, and the book was released last year. And what he in effect is saying is that nothing in South Africa has changed, which makes this such a fertile ground and land for violence, whether it's now domestic violence, intimate, intimate partner violence, or trafficking or violence against children because and they I want to agree with what they said this cannot just be the NGO or the police or whoever I today I was speaking to 40 associate students at UWC and I said to them that this has become so complex that we need to look at what is all the, the service providers and the, the people in this playing field that we need. You know, we work in, in Peru, our organization, where at this day and age, there's people living in a one-room house, one room with no toilet, no bacon. Yes, they've got electricity, but that's it. A, a, a father and a mother with five children. Now, if you, if you just take that scenario, which is happening here in the town as well, if anyone then comes to you with a better perspective in terms of trafficking, or if you then look at someone that's sitting and I don't know what goes on in the mind of someone who wants to kill a child, but for argument's sake that you that that, that something triggers your mind and you just lose it completely. What is the bigger society in terms of businesses and infrastructure and people in the labor uh, and agriculture and trade and industry doing to make communities to such an extent where people's economic and social circumstances are of a better quality than what currently is. Mm-hmm. And we truly say that we are a better South Africa where the injustice hasn't continued. Okay, my attention very quickly to the SMS line. There's an SMS here from 8146. It says, Good evening, people of the best radio station in South Africa. The murderers, rapists, and thieves should be thrown in an unbearable place with no luxury treatment and opportunities like in the modern prisons of South Africa. Death penalty will not work because what if someone is wrongfully accused? Fact. 
Cape Town is in the top 10 most dangerous cities in the world. Scary fact. And that comes from Rian from Tafelzig. On that note, we're going to go for a quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll continue with the burning issue here on The Voice of the Cape. Welcome back then to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Boland. You said you are with the program called The Burning Issue and a very big shukran to our producer that is Qanita Kamar and a very shukran to Faldi van der Lilly uh, doing technical duties that side of the microphone. Now the SMS which came in says it is not surprising that it's family, friends, relatives and even strangers doing hurtful things. Nabi Yusuf's brothers threw him in a well. Nothing new to us. Fir'aun murdered all the boy babies. Nothing new to us. Nabi Isa's close companions betrayed him. Also, it is said, our own Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa own family members was against him and wanted him dead. My point is, we know all the problems. The question is, what are we doing about it? Let's organize a march with all the schools, education centers, and so on, and get our voices heard. Let the kids know that they are being heard. Give them the tools to speak up and fight back. Our ulama should look for answers in the Quran and Sunnah and guide us, and we must follow unitedly. Well, once again, a very big shukran to our listeners. I've got a num- quite a number of other SMSs that came through. I just need to tell Faldi very quickly. I think the battery is going to go on the phone. So mm. maybe we must try and sort something out. I like the way we praise our constitution, whilst more than half of our citizens cannot make meaning of the constitution. Mm. And often we cannot implement to the word. We find more value in the constitution, in the protection of the perpetrator than the victims. Over 300 years of torture of our people. How do we heal? Well, once very, in a very big shukran, another SMS says, Assalamu alaikum. Wishing parents could stop dressing young girls like grown-ups, putting on makeup and teaching them to pout. Another SMS says, I'm just trying to. Hi, wassalam. I would like to know what the statistics is when the Asika NP was in power and when the ANC came into power. That is now from 1994. Well, once again, a very big shukran to our listeners for all their participation and clarification questions. So we've got a couple of minutes left with our guests online. And as you said, that is Valdi van Rienen Leruhi, who is with the Trauma Center, and Claudia Berger, Director for Annex Activist Networking Against the Exploitation of Children. And then we are joined in studio by Nuran Osman, who is the Managing Director for the Ihata Shelter. Let's start with um, uh, Claudia very quickly and say, look, We've discussed this issue. What is it that the message that you want to bring home to our listeners this evening with regards to this particular topic? You know, the one thing that um, I want to say is we can now all scream and shout and each have a different opinion. But ultimately we need to stand together and i I understand that people are becoming extremely aggressive people are becoming uh, more and more saying you know this needs to stop enough is enough 
and we all feel the same. Um, I agree with Valdi around the inquiry and that we need to look deeper because I train on trauma, our organization train on trauma, and we all know that we are a very traumatized nation. And as she said earlier, and one of the listeners also said, and Ron said, people have been displaced and people were just expected to carry on and forget. And, and has that adequately been dealt with? I'm not saying that that is the only reason, but somehow we need to have a systematic approach and I am hoping that that's coming out of the inquiry. So I'm also asking that people put um, their support behind this because the death penalty is surely not going to bring any, uh, well, as Valdia has explained, around the Constitution and the conventions that we've signed. But no rule or that kind of rule has ever had the effect that it's that it's prohibited people from doing anything wrong mm-hmm. and we all need to take responsibility for this current violence that's, that's going on and need to look at your day-to-day communication with the people around you how do we address our children how do we address our friends how do we address our colleagues and and how open are we to differences of opinion you know, Valdi and I often have discussions and, 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 and conversations around these kind of topics, and we agree to disagree, but we never attack one another. And I see that in the community, even in the NGO world, people attack one another, and, and, and that perpetuates violence at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Claudia, thanks very much for your time. Uh, let's hear from Valdi. Any concluding uh, remarks from your side as regards to this particular topic this evening? Well, I want to say to the listeners um, some very interesting remarks. Um, and it really makes one think, you know, so I, I appreciate um, the SMSs coming through and guiding us in the, in the discussion. Mm. What I want to emphasize right now, we need solutions. Mm. We need to know what can SAPs do better, and we know it's forensics, etc. We need to know what does the Department of Housing need to be doing? Why do we have so many drug lords living in council houses? Can we get them out? We need to be asking social development. Why is it that child welfare, now child welfare is the NGO, which is the body that does the investigations on child neglect and abuse. And so if you as a social worker or a counselor, if you pick up that there's not everything, it's not so liquor with this child. You would fill in a Form 22, and that would then go to the child welfare, and they would then send out a social worker and do the investigation. Well, child welfare nationally is going through a crisis. So who is doing the Form 22s for us Mm. so that we can prevent more court needs? And so those are the questions that a commission needs to ask. Well, and um, the, the Premier 
has agreed to a meeting on Wednesday at 11 o'clock. We'll be, in, we'll be at her office, um, a delegation consisting of representatives from the communities in Kailitsha, in Langa, um, Hanover Park, Altis River, Atlantis, Paul. We are drawing people from Hanover Park, Lavender Hill, to come to this uh, meeting with her where we are asking her, please let us, alongside the search parties that are going on, let us get a deeper understanding of what we each need to do. Mm-hmm. What well, is it that trauma center is not doing right? Where must we improve? What programs do we need to offer that will really turn the tide and modify the behaviors that we are seeing? Mm. And so we are saying very humbly, we don't know. And so the place for us to find out is the Commission of Inquiry. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that the listeners will also go to either my face page or they will go to the Trauma Center Facebook page. We have a petition there calling for this Commission of Inquiry into the lack of safety. And if people could just go on, click on, click on the link, then that will take them to the petition and they will be able to, um, to sign. But if you would like hard copies of that petition, please, we are prepared to bring it to you so that we can have more petitions, so that we can say, listen, without laying blame at anybody's doorstep, let us stand together as a collective and let us understand what it needs to turn the tide around. Mm-hmm. Well, Valdi van Renan Leroux from the Trauma Center, a very big thank you to you uh, for your time this evening and everything of the best with your meeting on Wednesday with the Premier yeah. Helen Ziller. Then to Claudia Berger, Director of Annex. Do we still have you on the line, Claudia? Yes, I'm Yes, Claudia, to you also a very, very big thank you for your time as well, uh, sharing with us and our listeners. I have been asked to share our condolences. I believe you lost your father a few weeks ago. And uh, so certainly from our side, all the condolences to you and the family and the loved ones. And then also for taking out from your time this evening, particularly <laughs> to have a chat to us. So to Claudia Berger, everything of the best. Valdi van Rinen Leroux, we say to you guys a very big thank you and I bid you a very good evening. Thank you. Thank you. The voice of the cake. The burning issue with Ridwan Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Yes, welcome back to the burning issue here on The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Boland. Once again, just a reminder to our listeners that you can participate in the program by sending us your question or comment via the SMS line 47913 or via the WhatsApp 072-238-0712. We just uh, took leave of Claudia 
Um, uh, and as well as I can't, I can't even remember what my guest name was. I do apologize for that. It's Claudia Berger and also Valdi van Rienen. But we are still joined in the studio by Nuran Osman, who is the managing director at the Ehata Shelter. I believe we do also have online Andrew Christoffel Nissen, who is a commissioner with the South African Rights Human Rights Commission. Before I get to my guests, just my attention to the SMS lines here. Uh, it says, are these crimes being committed across the board? What does statistics look like? This is a complex issue but needs to be addressed effectively and urgently as it will just get worse. South Africa is a society screaming for desperate assistance. Uh, uh, Really, it is a cry the beloved country. Way to go. People are going to take the law into their own hands. The approach needs to be very fast. We've had commission upon commission, but South Africa is still looking the way it's looking. It is just money wasting. Another SMS here now says, Assalamu alaikum. Claudia is most <coughs> talking. Okay, I'm not going to say that other word on air. Crime is here now and for, and for, and for too long. It wasn't like this before 1994. There was respect and order. How long has the community asked for the death penalty or harsher sentencing? It must go via, via, via. For how long still for the death penalty? Now, and that is obviously in terms of our question this evening here on the burning issue. Would harsher prison sentences or the reinstatement of the death penalty assist in addressing gender-based violence and the child killings in South Africa. Another SMS I'm going to acknowledge, 6114, I'm not going to read that particular one. Another one from 5355 says, Assalamu alaikum. I think that since our people was removed from District 6, everything went wrong from there. Another SMS from 5069 says, Assalamu alaikum. I think 23 years after our vote for democracy is enough time to heal. In all religions, there are strict rules in place and punishments for perpetrators. And uh, to, uh, rules of discipline, oh, oh, they took the rules of discipline away in schools, softened punishment of criminals and turned jails into government hotels. What do you expect? Another SMS says, good evening people. Use all kinds of excuses to rectify their wrongdoing. Some use drugs, Others poverty, others unemployment. There is no excuse to me for a rapist. We'll like a march on 16 June 2017 where we as communities come together and let our voices be heard. We even got our Minister of Safety, Dan Dan Plato, to join us and that comes from Venetia. Last SMS, Assalamu Alaikum. We as mothers and fathers are failing our children. It is how we speak to each other. If you hear the language spoken to the children, it is just French and German. Well, once again, a very big shukran to all our listeners for their participation. Let's greet um, Andrew Christoffel Nissen, a commissioner with the South African Human Rights Commission. Andrew, very good evening to you. Hi, salam alaikum. And to you and all our listeners of Voice of the Cape, I'm commonly known as Chris Nissen. That's uh, Andrew Christopher's official <laughs> name. Andrew okay. Chris Nissen, good well, evening to all of you. Well, good evening and wa alaikum salam, Chris Nissen. Now, you've heard my introduction, you know, we are chatting uh, gender-based violence. We had the program last week. Our listeners were saying, bring back the death penalty or reintroduce or introduce 
harsher prison sentences for these offenders. What would your start of comment be around this particular issue? Well, thank you. Um, and I think it's a very important debate. And thank you also for Voice of the Cape. It always raises these issues that touches the heart of our community. The first thing is, you know, obviously there's debates about whether we bring back death penalty or not. We're in a constitutional democracy. So I don't think that we'll ever be brought back because of our constitution. But also clearly harsher punishment is, of course, uh, uh, what, what, we, what is needed. But let me start with something that is very important in our community. You see, you can bring back the death penalty, you can have harsher punishment. But if we as a society, and I think one of the SNSs put it so aptly, you know, it all starts in the home. It starts in the home, the way we talk to each other, the way we treat each other, the way we respect each other, the way we look after each other, the way we try to create the values and instill the values that will make us better people and that outside we can portray those kind of values. Now, we live in a very, very sick society. Sick society, and we can blame everyone. You can blame from government to the people and so on. But the key important thing is that we've lost respect for one another, not only within the broader society, but also in our own homes, in our own environment. And so the most important thing is that we need to, as a community, start saying, how do we take back our communities a community where we respect the elderly, a community where we respect the women, a community where we respect children, and a community where we look out for each other and after each other. So the point is you can bring back whatever you want to unless we change the moral fiber of our society, which has gone down tremendously. Can you imagine that a mother in Gulf will have to barricade herself in her own room against a son who's addicted to tuck? I mean, what has happened? Please explain to me why do parents go and sleep when they know the children are not at home before nine? How do we allow children, when there's a gang fight, for small children to run around among the flats, whether it's Central Park or elsewhere, and we are not there to take care of our children? The responsibility lies within us to say, how do we help change the society we live in? I said the other day, we live, you know, the, the, you know, my Oma used to say, you can arm this, my youth school here. Mm. Look at our streets. Look at our own yards. We walk over our dirt. So we create in our society a, a, an attitude. I mean, you know, we send our children to school. We expect the children to, the, the teachers to take both over, both as parent and teacher. And sometimes people come that in the morning, come and shout at the teacher. And I agree, you know, sometimes the kind of things that we miss at school, for example, you know, during my time with a subject called Svorlichten. Mm. And Svorlichten was such an important subject that built character and leadership. We had physical exercise that built discipline with us. So I think in that sense, some of these things we missed out in our society today. But the time has come for us to say, how do we as the community and members of the community start looking to look out for one another? Sometimes when, when we see something happens and when the police come, then suddenly we don't know. And I know it's out of fear. Mm-hmm. Because if I talk, somebody else will come and pin me, that kind of thing. But the most important thing, there are two institutions in our society which can change the minds and attitudes of the people. In our community in the Cape Flats, it is the mosque 
And it is the church that needs to play a role in reinforce the morals and those values of taking care and protecting life and protecting one another. So we can bring back, people can say, let's bring back the death penalty, let's do that. But unless we in society stop buying stolen goods, we will continue as a market for stolen goods and we'll continue to have people breaking into other people's houses for that. And the thing is, important thing is that, yes, I know there are cultural and religious issues, but respect for one another and respect for the girl child and respect for a woman. Mm-hmm. Well, do stay on the line. Um, I'm going to get my one of the uh, WhatsApp messages. It says, Assalamu alaikum. Let us not blame this on apartheid. Men have been raping forever, but people are coming forward now. And the children are speaking up. There are 60 and 70 year olds that are still carrying their scars. Another SMS says, uh, I'm going to ask Ridwan, what does the politicians and government want South Africa to look like? Yes, it starts at home, but sadly, it's the most vulnerable being targeted most of the time. I'm going to acknowledge an SMS from 7414, and then another SMS from 9618 says, Salam, is this the voice of the Cape? Yes, it is the voice of the Cape. And then I'm going to acknowledge an SMS from 9964, uh, it is an anonymous post. Uh, I'm going to have to just confirm that one. Uh, Nuran Osman, Managing Director at the Ihata Shelter. Chris Nissen, a commissioner with the South African Human Rights Commission. If I capture briefly what you were saying, he speaks about a moral fiber of society. Do you wish to comment on that quickly? I couldn't agree more. I think it's so easy to for us to talk about punishments like chopping hands and death penalties. Um, but once... Unless and until societal reform takes place, we can't be speaking of punishment. Uh, yeah, we'll chop off people's hands when they steal. And what what of the mother who's stealing to feed her six hungry children at home? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what about the mother whose children are all substance users and if she doesn't come home with something to eat tonight, they will beat and rape and carry, carry on. And so we're going to chop her hand. Um, and one has to look at these things in context. You You can't just have blanket laws and say well this is how it is and this is how it's going to be without looking at the context in which we find ourselves mm-hmm. um, it's also also when we talk about harsher punishments and people are constantly talking about um, the correctional services being um, the hotel and you know prisoners are treated so well well I don't know how many of the listeners who feel that way have been into a prison cell but I can say from spending time working at, at Polsmore prison that it isn't a hotel and that a lot of violation um, take, takes place inside of the prison. And so we know that the numbers gang, for example, one of the gangs, and I'm, I'm not going to mention them, but is responsible for sodomy. So if you're wanting to, you know, shout loud about people being, about women and, and girl children being violated on the street through rape and molestation and things, what about also the young men who get incarcerated for petty crime, but get sodomized and then have the trauma of that and still have to come back and reintegrate into society as healthy, strong men in this patriarchal society that set such high expectations for how all of us must be performing. Um, and, I, and I think really it's so easy to just think of punishment rather than to think of how do we heal this, this society. I hear a Listeners say you can't blame apartheid. Well, apartheid has left damage. Let's just face it. Whether we blame it or not is a separate issue. But the point is the, there are remnants of 
um, of the damage that apartheid has left. Look at the segregation between rich and poor. Are you finding dead three-year-olds raped and buried in Constantia and Bishop's Court? Are you finding them in Elsie's River and Hanover Park and Mitchell's Plain? Yes. Clearly, that links directly to the to the ramifications of what the apartheid system did to us. Um, how many old people have not yet healed um, from the, their displacement? Um, and then that harm and that that pain and that grief gets passed on generationally. Um, and you, you find even 18-year-olds who are very angry about apartheid. Where did they get it from? In the family, in the home, there's bitterness, there's tears. And, and there are tears that are unshed. I mean, in, in the community where I work in Haderfeld and, and the families that we work with outside of the shelter, there is so much repressed emotion. Where is it going? People are fighting with each other. People are taking it out on each other and destroying all that we have because we only have it, each other in, in poverty-stricken communities. But we fight with each other. We destroy each other because it's not like you can go go to Bishop's Court and fight with the person that took the home of your grandfather. And again, it's not about blaming apartheid. It's about acknowledging the impact that apartheid has had on the psyche of people of color and, and looking at why, the root causes of why people of color behave the way that they do. And then secondly, the inequality that it's created in terms of the divide between rich and poor and how still communities like Haderfeld and Mitchell's Plain, despite new dispensations, still are incredibly under-resourced. Well, that's Nuran Osman, Managing Director at the Ihata Shelter. Unfortunately, I don't have much more time to offer you and ask, you know, what is your concluding remark. But I just want to say a very big shukran to you for taking from your time, particularly on this Monday evening, to share with our listeners. Uh, so I'm going to greet you, Nuran, if that's okay. I'm going to ask Chris Nissen to stay on the line. I've got another guest on the line. Uh, so to you, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. When you need a panel beater, you want peace of mind. Alpha Body Works is approved by all major insurance companies. We're also Audi approved because our collision repair center produces exceptional results backed by superior service. Not only do we collect and deliver your vehicle, we have 18 courtesy cars for your convenience. Alpha Body Works is simply steps above the rest. Call 021-691-9333 or visit alphabodyworks.coza. Terms and conditions apply. Inspiring the spirit of giving for over 30 years, the agency that cares. What would you do to educate a child? What price would you pay? Knowing that education paves the path to realizing dreams, would you make a contribution to help our youth? This is your chance. The voice of the Cape Bursary Fund and Teddy Govender, dealer principal of Mercedes-Benz Claremont, will be taking the steps necessary to help some of our young, deserving youth get a running start to their future. Join us as we accompany Teddy on a 25-day, 300-kilometer running challenge. The goal? 300,000 Rand. The going looks tough, but a future without hope is tougher still. You can make a difference. Stride for stride with a simple pledge. To contribute, simply click to vocfm.co.za or call Voice of the Cape today on 021-442-3500. That is 021-442-3500. Burning Issue with Rida Wan Ahmed. 
Welcome back to The Burning Issue here on The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Borland. Um, well, so once again, a very big shukran to all our listeners for their participation to the program. And just to remind our listeners, if you have just joined us, we are continuing a discussion around gender-based violence. Now, last week we asked the question, and from our listeners, the question was, bring back the death penalty. Or what about more harsher prison sentences and would that assist in addressing gender-based violence and child killings in South Africa. Now we are joined online by Chris Nissen who is a commissioner with the South African Human Rights Commission and in a nutshell he says he questions the moral fiber of society. But now we are also now joined online by Lisa Vetten who is an independent researcher and a gender activist. Lisa, very good evening to you. Good evening and good evening to your listeners. Thanks very much. Lisa, you've heard my introduction. What would your mm. opening comment or remark be in this regard? You know, people are very angry about what they're seeing. But unfortunately, that anger is not going to be solved, nor are we going to address the problem by introducing harsher sentences or bringing back the death penalty or looking at ways to make more vicious punishments on people who do wrong. You know, if you look at from a purely practical point of view, there's absolutely no evidence anywhere in the world to suggest that things like the death penalty um, deter crime. You know, we don't have... We, in some societies, which are very tightly controlled. That might work, but we are not that kind of society. And I think fundamentally, if we have a problem with violence, the way in which we address violence is not just more violence or saying that our violence is legitimate, but your violence is not legitimate and therefore we'll punish it. Because what we're still saying to people is that violence is right. When somebody has done wrong, you respond violently. And that's not fundamentally altering our violent paradigm in South Africa. We need to think of different ways in which to step out of this idea that any punishment will stop people from being violent. I mean, there's a great deal of research that suggests that many of those who are violent often grew up in or, or come from backgrounds where they experienced a great deal of very harsh punishments as children. So in a sense, all you are doing is doing the same thing to them as adults. This is a challenge to all of us to think about how do we step out of our violent and conflictual responses and start to behave in ways that are actually... Are, try to develop a different kind of morality here. One that isn't based on you hit me so I'll hit you. You did this, I'll hurt you harder. We need to find ways to start thinking about how do we respond differently. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just my attention very quickly once again to the uh, WhatsApp line. There's a message here that says, Assalamu alaikum, the punishment should fit the crime. Another SMS says, Assalamu alaikum, I believe moral value is the bottom line. The one who respects his or her own body and property will respect others' bodies and properties. Another SMS says, I say again, bring that psychologist and other intervention programs. Well, we were speaking about preventative programs, rehabilitation programs and all those kind of things. But I believe, Mr. Uh, Chris Nissen, you in fact went to the community of Altis River and participated in the search for the, uh, uh, the three-year-old Courtney Peters, the late three-year-old Courtney Peters. You might just share some of your thoughts around that. Yeah, you know, one of the things, first of all, I mean, it was really, I must say it was, it was very heartwarming walking with more than 300 people, you know, and all parties, all people, the neighborhood watchers from all over the show, from Hanover Park, which was playing, Man and Bird, all over, looking for um, for Courtney. Eventually found her. 
And I must tell you that it again, it says to me, said to me that, you know, we must not have a repeat of Courtney's. We can never have a repeat of Courtney's. But you know what? We can only stop it if we start looking at ourselves in our own way, how we behave towards one another. Tolerance and respect. You know, I grew up in Bishop Lavers, you know, mm-hmm. and Bishop Lavers and other townships where I work and I live, sometimes we always want to win an argument. And the person that shouts the loudest, the person that can sway the loudest, the person that can show I'm bigger than you, the person that says, you know, I will, you will see what I'll do to you. You know, if we can just change that culture within our community, culture that says, yes, I disagree with you, Yes, I can listen to you, but I do not. I do not need to fight with you in order to win an argument. As as the Matar Panel says, you know, you don't do right violence with violence. But I must say, it was one of the most heartwarming exercises to see a community, women in particular, in the forefront, being looking for Courtney and defending, and all those leaders, the way they behaved and help that family of Courtney Peters, Peterson. You know, it was so good to have been part of it, including being at the funeral. But my most important thing that I would like to say is, you know, unless we as members of the community start respecting each other, being tolerant towards each other, in particular place a higher value of respect towards our women, our mothers, our grandmothers and our sisters, and also towards the girl child, but also the boy child. And if we can start talking to each other on a level where we can respect each other. Indeed, you know, harsher punishment, indeed, death penalty has not stopped people getting involved in criminal activities. Mm-hmm. My attention... I want, sorry. Okay, so now continue. No, what I want to say it is that what our previous panelists also mentioned. You know, in our community, on the Cape Flats, across the board, we are still benefiting. And I say, use the word benefiting, I want to put it in the context. Benefiting from the dividends of apartheid. The group ASF was benefiting in a very negative way. The group Act was the the catalyst of poverty and inequalities for people on the Cape Flats. And so we're benefiting in a negative way in which people are now looking at each other, you know, fighting over meager things and so on. But the most important thing for me is that if we can bring back the old values, you know, the values of respect, the values of creating. You remember, I, I don't know, but if some people can remember, though, there is something we called on Sunday, the buck, that when you cook, you share it with your neighbors. Send it around to your neighbors. You know, if your child did something wrong, you know, as a parent, you were, of anybody, you were supposed to discipline the child. But today, if you want to discipline somebody else's child, the parents run there with all sorts of weapons to come and tell you, you leave my child and it's my child, you've got nothing to say to my child. Where is that respect that we need to see that your child is my child and my child is your child and we need to find a collective discipline in guiding our children to do the right thing. That is missing in our society today. So we can blame everybody and so on, but the most important thing is how do we, how do we use those two moral reinforces, namely the mosque 
and the church to help bring back the value of respect and the value of life particularly with regard to women and girl children. Mm-hmm. Do we stay on the line? An SMS here says it comes from 9416. Uh, assalamu alaikum. Shukran for a very informative program. Just one question. Can you send or read the link to go into? Now the message then stops there. Can I ask that particular listen, listener to resend it to me? Uh, it's incomplete and that's 9416. Um, okay, now in the top Ten most no 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 that was from the, the, the other message. Another one from one five two four says salam. We can have meetings, marches, discussions our whole life through. It won't go away unless they bring back corporal punishment. Due to this, any dirty and ugly languages are being uttered by our children, knowing that the laws are protecting them. Another SMS here I'm going to acknowledge. It's a warning that was sent. It hasn't been confirmed. Um, yeah. Now let's hear from Lisa. Let's go for a quick air break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up with the program called "The Burning Issue" here on the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Burning Issue with Ridwan Ahmed. Welcome back. We've got about five minutes or so left to wrap up this particular program, but I believe we have a caller on the line, Butakashim Hamid. Butakashim, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. how are you? Alhamdulillah. Butakashim, a minute or two, your quick comment, inshallah. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, today a murder took place here in our area in Lintakhia, in Kornfauer Street. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, the, the violence has accumulated around here now for the last couple of weeks now. A uh, couple of gangs that uh, been robbing people early in the morning in, in, in the parks around here. And now what I've done is um, through the CPF that we will be having a meeting Wednesday, inshallah, at Lobile Hall at 7 o'clock, inshallah. Inshallah. Right? So if you, the people, especially the people in the vicinity here, because it affects them and I would like them to be, uh, to be present at the meeting to see what they can do about it. Okay, Ridwan. Okay, Butakasim, shukran. Uh, right, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Now, getting back, let's start with Lisa Vetan, independent researcher and gender activist. Let's give you a concluding remark on this particular topic. But before I do, it says only about 6% of rape cases are successfully prosecuted. I'm not sure, Lisa, if you want to maybe just give a quick comment around that one. Yes, that's what I'd like to conclude with. I mean, I think people forget that South Africa does have already very strong sentencing provisions in place for certain crimes. In in relation to rape, the minimum is 10 years for adults, but if you rape a child, the minimum is a life sentence. So I think the question we have to ask is why, when we do have such strong sentencing, that's not working. Mm -hmm. And the figure you've just given us now points to part the reason why it isn't a deterrent. Because if 94% of those who commit rape are never going to be convicted of the crime, it doesn't matter if you have 6% who you hang publicly and do whatever else you want to do to them and make their punishments as harsh as, as you would like. Because what the, the lesson that people will take from that is that actually this is a very low-risk crime. You're unlucky to get caught. Most of us will never get caught. So we should actually rather be putting our focus onto how do we get the police more effective? How do we improve detection? How do we improve the courts so that we can have more arrests and more cases going to court and more convictions? Because if we talk about rape in South Africa um, right now, 
about 50% of rapes never ever result in an arrest. Mm-hmm. So I think that we need to ask why is that and put our attention into doing that. Because that is a deterrent, the likelihood of getting caught. The likelihood of a harsh punishment is not as serious as the fact that you're knowing that there's a very high risk that you're that you going to get caught and that you're going to have to pay the consequences of your actions. So while one often understands that you know a harsh punishment for people can make them feel like justice has been done, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, it's actually meaningless when so many are getting, are getting away with their crimes. I'd really want to encourage people to think about you know, whether it's joining a community policing forum or making, but how do we hold the police to account? And also, especially when we're talking about rape, rape and child abuse, these are very, very underreported crimes. So how do we make it possible for more children, women, men, boys to be able to say what has happened to them and to come forward? Because I think there's so many barriers that they experience that once again, those perpetrators who can bully or intimidate their victims into silence or who or where their victims believe there's no point in my even bothering to report because this case is never going to court then once again that tiny little percentage who ultimately do get the half punishment really mean nothing so i think the challenge to us would be to look at how do we remove barriers to speaking and reporting and how do we make sure that the criminal justice system does work more effectively so that we have more who are dangerous being removed from the from the streets and from homes. Okay. Thanks very much. That's Lisa Vetten, independent researcher and a gender activist. Unfortunately, time has really caught up with us. I've got a minute or two left. I'm not going to deal with some of the SMSs. This one says here, Assalamu alaikum. The death penalty, one should think hard if it's your own brother or family member. Do you really want to see as a mother will be hard to accept? Rather, no bail or the judge must give longer sentences. Then they are too lenient. Uh, do I still have um, uh, Chris Nelson on the line? No, I think Chris has uh, also left. I just wanted to say a very big thank you there to um, Chris Nissen, who is a commissioner with the South African Human Rights Commission. Then also a very big thank you to Lisa Vetten. Uh, Lisa, very good th- uh, big thank you to you. As we said, independent researcher and gender activist. Well, it's been a pleasure being in your company this evening, alhamdulillah, and we're going towards the month of Ramadan. And I want to wish everybody, you know, everything of the best for the coming month, inshallah. So from myself, Ridwan Ahmed, until I see you next time, inshallah, again, do stay tuned to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Boland. Next up, Caravan with the illustrious Buta Yusuf Fisher from myself, Ridwan Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The Burning Issue with Ridwan Ahmed.